Welcome to our 27th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. So I guess we start off with announcements. Let's, okay. You know what? Uh, first off, you uh, play World of Tanks. Yeah. And you read the forms and stuff like that. Are you familiar with this page? Uh, it's a friend of ours now. The guy runs uh, basically a page on uh, World of Tanks, World of Warships. It's called The Daily Bounce. Uh, he's got a uh, gamer tag or basically hashtag. Uh, they call him Harkon. And so have you checked that out? I haven't. I, I need to get on there and check that out. If you guys are into World of Tanks, yeah, he's actually got a ton of good information Sweet. for every server. So definitely swing by that. Yeah. And then you got a uh, uh, basically a little email from uh, some guy in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, good old Hector Medell. He says he's been listening to the podcast now for a couple of weeks on his way home from work, and he loves it. Uh, he was kind of curious if we're ever in the Seattle area. He wants us to stop by uh, the Flying Heritage and Combat Armor Museum there in north of Seattle. Uh, Hector claims he works there, and that'd be kind of neat. We'll have to put that on our to-do list, on our travel list. And uh, He says he does all kinds of tank repairs and maintenance work and, and like to chat with us about their armor collection and, and give us a tour. Well, he, that and you know, let's face it. Uh, he was saying in his email that uh, he, did, he did a night fire with one of their Shermans. Oh, wow. That's neat. Could you imagine? Oh, we, that's neat. Yeah. We, we brought him a bumper sticker or something oh. and said, yeah, buddy, well, how about you fire that Sherman yeah. for us? So if you guys are near uh, Seattle, Washington, and um, you're just north of there, uh, check out the Flying Heritage and Combat Armor Museum and uh, say hello to our friend Hector for us. Yeah, it's definitely going to be on our to-do list. And the other thing is, where are we on uh, our merchandise? I know you just got the yes. bumper sticker stuff. Yes, yes. So we're going to we order some. Still working on that, and hopefully here within the next month or two, we'll we'll start having some merchandise that folks can buy. And excellent, yeah. excellent. Um, we got to do our uh, Patreon. Uh, shout out, which is getting longer and longer. It is. It very and, much and is. If, and if you, the listener, aren't part of our Patreon, well, you know, yeah. you can get your name shouted out. Heck yeah. Go to patreon.com and search for two tankers and a cat. Talking to cats, how is Lightning? Hey, she's doing good. Um, she's mainly living at the new place now, um, about 30, 40 miles away, and she's finally fitting in. She's, All right. She's got a couple of companion cats now to play with good she's, so she's starting to get along with him a little better and excellent doing great well you haven't posted any pictures of light i lately. know it's it's been extremely hectic around here to be <laughs> honest with you <laughs> yes with me starting my new job and finally getting into it and but yeah everything's starting to slow down a little bit and kind of getting back into the groove of things and excellent all right uh who are our members we need to shout out to uh we i know andy crow yes and then who else Born Ben, he's still supporting us. Uh, excellent. And I believe we've got a new one this time. Uh, Christy McCarty? Yeah. Oh, a female was here. Yes. Uh, well, you know what? If she's wanting to support us, You're darn bless, right. bless her heart. Thank you, Christy. Uh, and then Kevin Shin. Then who else? Kyler Montgomery. And then that ODS guy. ODS Thero. Yeah. Thero. Yeah. And, and 
my buddy Rick Schmidt. Rick Schmidt. Yeah. He he's been a following me on uh my live stream yeah you know, i stream yeah. world of tanks and so how's that been going you staying out oh, of jail i'm out of facebook well, jail but uh, uh the other day me and cowboy were uh streaming and he oh, wow. he kind of let loose a little bit and i'm oh, like oh uh, boy cowboy uh, cowboy any penny even promised to be good he goes oh, oh, i'll be man. good i'll be good oh man but we were getting just beat up he got a bunch of snow up there in montana here a while back didn't he uh, yeah yeah. Already, literally, he said, "Hey, we we were already at like sixteen inches or wow. something." So I guess Montana's got man tons of snow. Which would kill me is you know he's up there around Glacier yeah. and uh, he sent a picture of the snow equal to this guy's house, uh, the equal the to depth, his, yeah. Yeah, his roof. It's up to his roof. Wow! And it was ninety degrees here in Southeast oh, Kansas. I know. I know. And he's like, sure could use some uh, of that heat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, uh, we did that. Um, what are we talking about? Well, uh, first key point, I believe we're going to be talking about the Simo Bente L40 DA 42 slash 32. You do this. I know. That's a mouthful. Um, we're probably going to have to shorten that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Russ does this on purpose. He, he, now he thinks it's funny. You know, it's an Italian... Basically, SPG yes. or artillery, artillery and also a tank destroyer. And the only reason I do know about this tank is, you know, I've researched the, the Italian uh, Eighth Army or the Italian Army in, up in Soviet during World War II. All right, I'll try to say it. Semo Vint or is it? S- Semo Vente. Vente. So the V is actually a B. A B, yeah. Okay. Simo Bente. Okay. Uh, we're going to have pictures of this too. Yes. yes. And uh, we, we actually pulled up the pictures and this thing is kind of cool looking. It is. But um, against a T-34 Soviet? Mm-mm. Yeah. No thanks. Or a KV? KV. Oh, or my favorite, the IS-2. <laughs> Good Lord. IS-2 wouldn't even shoot it, just I run know. over it. But it is a very cool looking uh, vehicle. And the second point, uh, we're going to talk about Operation Uranus and uh, Operation Saturn. <laughs> hey, Russ. I said I know, I know. He did. He did. <laughs> I am such a child. Oh, hey. <laughs> I'm such a child. I'm used to it. All you folks may not be yet, but yeah. I, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm such a child. Okay. Um, Russ, tell us some background about the Simo Bente. Throughout the Second World War, Italy suffered a shortage of effective armored fighting vehicles. Entering the war, the backbone of the Italian armored forces consisted of L3 slash 35 tankettes. And I believe we've already had an episode on their tankettes. Oh, if you guys haven't heard our tankette episode, you oh, yeah, <laughs> please go, go listen to that go after listen. this. Uh, these vehicles were vulnerable to heavy machine gun fire, and they lacked the armament to perform any role besides infantry support. The Regio Esercito quickly grasped their weaknesses in armored warfare, and steps were taken to mitigate them. One of these steps was the production of turtless tank destroyers, such as the Simo Bente L40 DA 47-32. That is a mouthful. It is. Uh, we're just going to use Simo Bente. Simo Bente. Yeah. First among these steps was the introduction of the L6-40 in May of 1941 and the M-series of heavier cannon-armed tanks. One attempted solution which achieved mixed results was the Simovente, uh, which also began testing in May of 1941. It utilized the light, affordable, and familiar L6-40 chassis 
and the removal of the turret simplified production and lowered the silhouette. Additionally, it utilized a reboard version of the plentiful Canone DA 47-32 mod 1935. Uh, Fiat Ansaldo increased the length from L32 to L40, offering improved armor penetration quality. This self-propelled gun or SPG entered service in 1942. So they've been fighting World War II for a while down in Ethiopia and stuff like that. You know, they were, you know, fighting the British. Uh, well, I'm sorry, the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom, yeah. yeah. You know, the United Kingdom had armor. They had yeah. the Matilda and some other tanks, and, and they, they're racing around the desert in these little machine gun tanks. So they're trying to come up with something. Something different. To- so they go to Fiat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And say, hey, fix this. You fix it. Oftentimes, these introductions were a step too slow. The Simobante arrived uh, perhaps a year late, mounting an excellent gun for dealing with light tanks, armored cars, and cruiser tanks. It could have experienced great success in 1941. However, its 1942 introduction left it unable to cope with a new generation of allied medium tanks. See, there's a point. Fiat is struggling. You know, yeah. the Italians were a um, farming-based sure. um, economy. They really didn't have that much in industry. And Mussolini and his group were, you know, pushing really, really hard to modernize. And they're like, we've got old factories and all this stuff. But they put, you know, what out what they could. Sure. They came up with a fairly good design. Like I said, had an excellent gun. It would have been great against, you know, some of the cruiser tanks and stuff. But now they're having to deal with Sherman's, yeah. P-34s, yeah. KV-2s. Just to the game a little bit too late. Step behind, just yeah, like you exactly. said. Okay, Russ, talk about the design. Yeah, the conversion started when the production run of the L6-40 was ending at Fiat. Uh, work started quickly, fitting the standard anti-tank cannon 47-32M35 inside an armored but open-top superstructure built over the L60-40 chassis. So, basically, they've said, okay, this tank's not worth it, Yeah. but let's go ahead and leave the turret off, and we'll add a better gun. Okay, that, that actually makes sense. Sure. The Simobente uh, kept many of the characteristics of the light tank, borrowing its engine, mechanical parts, drivetrain, tracks, and kept the same armor, uh, which was about 33 millimeters or 1.18 inches on the front. Okay, for small, yeah, small, sure. small arms. Okay, sure. An armored box was fixed above the chassis, mounted forward, compared to the old hull and roomier. Access inside was made through side doors and the open top. The driver was seated in the front left of the superstructure, while the gun was placed on his right. Unfortunately, for the cramped fighting compartment, the gun was compact enough. It was Austrian in origin and had a 630 meter per second muzzle velocity with AP shells and 250 meter per second with heat rounds. Oh, okay. Maximum range was about 7,000 meters or 7,665 yards. Not bad. Not bad. But the effective range was about 500 meters or 550 feet, where it could defeat 43 millimeter or 1.69 inches of armor and up to 58 millimeter or 2.28 inches at close range. So that's going to be doing basically nothing to the the front of a Sherman or... The T-34 or the KV-1. Okay, Russ, can you give us more information about the Simobente? Being derived from a six-ton chassis, the Simobente only weighed slightly more than 6.5 tons. The dimensions of the tank measured 3.82 meters in length, 1.86 meters in width, and 1.69 meters in height. Cutting such a small figure 
would be a very favorable in combat, particularly in the mountainous confines of Italy. The crew consisted of three men, one commander, a driver, and a loader, and initially only carried two men, but such a small crew severely hampered combat efficiency. Yeah, you need the loader. Oh, yeah, you got to have your loader to, yeah. Especially when the commander's, well, sure. you know, sitting there. <laughs> He's like, hey, I don't want to load this stuff. Trying to keep track of what's going on around mm-hmm. you. And yeah. The operational range reached its limit at about 200 kilometers. And the 68 horsepower SPA 18 VT I-4 petrol engine afforded reasonable performance with an on-road speed of about 42 kilometers an hour and an off-road speed of about 25 kilometers per hour. Okay. So it's open top. It's got an excellent gun. For 1941. Yeah, 1941. And the speed's not bad. Yeah, the armor of the vehicle was fairly light, with the thickest frontal armor measuring 30 millimeters. Side protection amounted only to about 14 and a half millimeters of armor. And additionally, the riveted armor subjected the crew to spalling should the armored shields take fire. While they enjoyed protection from small arms fire and some psychological benefit, that was all the armor really provided. In practice, it was necessary for most tank destroyers to rely on their small frame to avoid enemy fire altogether. And we've talked over and over, do not put rivets on armored vehicles. Yeah, that is so because true. they will shear off oh, and yeah. shoot straight at you. The Samobente carried 70 rounds for its main armament, which was a reboard 47mm gun. It was capable of using armor-piercing rounds with sufficient penetrative qualities to deal with anything lighter than a medium tank. So, like it was, like it was Fiat designed yeah, for. sure. Light, you know, armored yeah. vehicles, trucks, sure. you know, and, you know little bunkers and machine gun nests. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the high explosive round offered some usefulness in the infantry support role. It also carried an Feto Pronto Hesh round, which was capable of killing M3 and M4 medium tanks at short combat ranges. So if one of these things were hid sure. in the rocks yeah. and had a you know pretty close shot, yeah. it would take out an M4. Yeah, with their Hesh rounds, yeah. Even even kill a Lee. And that's not doing too mm-hmm. bad for something like this. Wow, great info, Russ. Can you give us anything, any info, if there was any variance on the DA-4732? Yeah, besides the standard version, there were two variants that existed. First, the Caro Commando Platone per Simovente. It was actually a platoon commander vehicle. While ammunition capacity saw a reduction to 47 rounds, it carried a Morelli RF-1 CA radio set. Second, the company commander vehicle, which they called the Caro Commando Simobente, uh, in production, a mock-up took the place of the genuine 47mm gun. Uh, The extra space made room for two radio sets and a single 8mm machine gun for personal defense. The standard Simobente, however, did not mount a radio. See, that is a huge problem. You know, these guys are out there. They might, you know, have information of, you know, troops' movements, and they can't tell anybody. Did they use flags? Hand signals? I I don't know. Surely they had to have some way of communicating. Say you're you're up in the mountains, and, you know, it's just you in that one tank. Good Lord. Yeah, if you can't communicate with your... Buddies, fellow tankers. I mean, I, you're probably going to be in trouble. No doubt. Okay, Russ, it's that time. Give me the stats. Yeah, we'll give you the specifications on the Simovente. It had a crew of three that we've already talked about: the commander, the driver, and the loader. It had a horizontal traverse 
of 27 degrees, had a vertical traverse of negative 12 degrees to positive 20 degrees. Not bad. Not bad traverse. Uh, had 70 rounds that it carried with it. Okay. With a muzzle velocity of about 630 meters per second for the AP shell and 250 meters per second for the HE shells. Firing range, about 7,600 feet or 7,000 meters. The length of the tank destroyer was about 12 foot, 4.9 inches or 3,700 meters long. Had a width of 6.1 feet wide or 1.86 meters. And it had a height of 5.5 feet or 1.67 Six meters. Pretty low to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably to keep the profile lower to, yep. to help it hide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's low to the ground. It's quick for that year. Sure. In the 47, you know, yeah. it was a pretty good gun. Pretty good gun at that time. Well, for 41. Well, yeah, for 1941. But now it goes into action 42. 42, yeah. And 42 was a bad year. Yeah. Well, for them. Nice, Russ. Uh, so, touch on the combat history of the Simobente tank. Uh, much of the initial production of the Simobente was sent to the Italian forces in Russia. It was sought to bolster the anti-tank firepower of the Italian forces, which possessed no medium tanks. Well, Here, here's a bad idea. Let's go into Russia with nothing but tank destroyers. And, and tankettes. And, and tankettes. And trucks and yeah. ho- and horses and stuff yeah. like that. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. An open top in the <laughs> Soviet yeah. winters. Oh, yeah, I can brutal. See, I can see where this is going to go, but go ahead. While the Red Army still employed many light tanks, the increasingly prolific T-34 was near impervious to the Simovente. Regardless, yeah. no weapon would have saved the thin lines of the Armada Italiana in Russia. That's a fact. I've actually studied mm. the, this battle and stuff, uh, Uranus and uh, Operation Uranus and Operation Saturn. We're going to get into it, but oh my Lord. I feel, you know, mm. the stuff that they had to go through. Wow. I'm sorry, Russ, go ahead. During the winter of 1942 to 1943, they bore much of the tremendous Soviet offensive effort of the 80 Semovente models dispatched there. The Red Army destroyed most in Operation Uranus and Operation Little Saturn. Now, see, Operation Little Saturn, that's when the Italians really took a beating. Against the Allies, some served in North Africa and Sicily. After the fall of Sicily and the Italian Allied Armistice, the Germans appropriated every available 47-32 SPG. Uh, some passed into their own use, and others fell to their puppet state in Croatia or Mussolini's new Italian Social Republic. As they were near obsolete, by 1943, employing them in anti-partisan actions was common. By 1943, they're like, hey, these are so outdated now. Yeah. They're going to go after anti-partisans, you know, actions Against, you know, guys yeah. with, you know, rifles and sure, pistols. Sure, In all, Italy produced 282 to 320 units of the 47 millimeter armed gun carriage. They saw little to no use or interest post-war, and one may assume that few survive to this day. One unit can currently be found at the U.S. Army Storage, uh, which is waiting a new home. Yeah, down in Fort Benning. Fort Benning. You know, and I hate to bring this up. I know I bring this up every episode. Our uh, good friend Rob, who's a curator down there, and, and teaching the new generation tankers what, you know, what they had and where tanks came from. He's got all these tanks that are just sitting, waiting for him to find a spot. I know. So, yeah. But you did see this Facebook post the other day where I guess they got them tarped 
outside, which at least keeps some of the rain out of them and the ones that they have already painted up and ready to put inside. But like, like we said, there's no place to put them right now to, this is my personal opinion. It's a national disgrace. Yes. We have these national treasures and there's one of these left. They've been destroyed, scrapped, everything else. There's one left. And the best we can do is put a tarp over it. I know. That is sad. That is sad. All right, Russell, tell us about Operation Uranus. Operation Uranus was the code name of the Soviet uh, November 19th through the 23rd, 1942 strategic operation in World War II, which led to the encirclement of the German 6th Army, the 3rd and 4th Romanian armies, and portions of the German 4th Panzer Army. The operation was executed at roughly the midpoint of the five-month-long Battle of Stalingrad and was aimed at destroying German forces in and around Stalingrad. Planning for Operation Uranus had commenced in September of 1942 and was developed simultaneously with plans to envelop and destroyed German Army Group Center and German forces in the Caucasus. Wow. Okay, go on. This is getting good. The Red Army took advantage of the German Army's poor preparation for winter and the fact that its forces in the Southern Soviet Union were overstretched near Stalingrad, using weaker Romanian troops to guard their flank. The offensives... Starting points were established along the section of the front directly opposite Romanian forces, and these Axis armies lacked heavy equipment to deal with Soviet armor. All these T-34s and these KV-1s just incredible. Or finally get on the line. Yeah. And, and of course, Lynn Lease. And, uh, you know, we keep talking about Lynn Lease. Oh, we need I to explain know. that We someday. really do. We will. Uh, we'll try to do that next yeah. episode. So the Italian army wasn't the main consideration in that operation, but Operation Little Saturn was. Tell us about the Italian units and the strength and what happened to them. The Italian 8th Army, led by General Italo Garibaldi. Now, wait a minute. Yeah, if no. you remember Garibaldi, he was... The command or I the general the name, but yeah, he was a general down in North Africa. And remember, Rommel said, "Oh no, 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 you, you can't, you can't read German." But it says, "I'm in charge, and you need to follow me." Okay. So he kind of got fooled there. So they take him from North Africa because you know he's a seasoned. Yeah. He he was actually you know in World War One. Basically, he's the best general they've got. They sent him up there. Read off the divisions they sent him. I think you're going to see a lot or a lot of the same kind of divisions, but go ahead. Yeah, the Italian 8th Army was, was actually led by Garibaldi, and its strength consisted of about 10 divisions. I know out of the 10, uh, there was the 2nd Infantry Division, uh, the 3rd Infantry Division, uh, the 5th Infantry Division, and there was a 156th Infantry Division, but that was called the Vincenza. Vincenza. And then they had these uh, new Alpine divisions. The 2nd Alpine, the 3rd Alpine. 3rd Alpine was Julia, I think. Um, Then the 4th Division. uh, And then there was the Torino, the Pasuba, and then the Prince. How do you say that prince's name? Amadeo. Amadeo, Duke of Oscar Division. So if you're looking at that, that is a lot of infantry. You know what you don't, you see? Any armor. Yeah, the Italian forces in Russia would eventually total about 229,000 men, 22,000 vehicles, and about 1,340 artillery pieces. And like we said, they had 80 of these Simobente. That's incredible. I mean, that's... Sending that many men in without without, any extra armor or anything. Right. And here's the kicker. 2,200 vehicles include uh, motorcycles, uh, trucks, cars, you know. Probably not even all any 
I mean, not many armored cars of any kind either. Oh, uh, no. And, and, and those little uh, light tanks that we were talking about, mm-hmm. the tankettes yeah. were a part of that. Sure. For 22,000, or no, yeah. I'm sorry, 229,000 229, yeah. people. And then, you know, 1,300 artillery pieces. Yeah. Eighth Armor has 10 divisions and a seasoned general, and they got 80 of these uh, semibentes. Uh, what was their job on the Axis front? Yeah, the 8th was placed on the left flank of the German 6th Army between Hungarian and Romanian forces. The Italian line stretched along the River Don for more than 250 kilometers from the positions of the Hungarian 2nd Army in Komenskawa to the positions of the Romanian 3rd Army in Vesinska, a village 270 kilometers northwest of Stalingrad. Good Lord. So they've got all these guys just stretched out along the river. For 250 kilometers. The Italians threw up a thin screen along the river. Uh, no trench lines had been dug, nor effective defensive positions set up. Heavy snow and severe frost were hampering troop movement. So they didn't even set up My any defensive. Lord so they got this huge oh. line, and, and they've you know, got 80 tank destroyers. And here comes the, you know, the Red Army. This isn't going to end well. Okay, this is going to be bad news for the Italians. Go on, Russ. Yeah, the situation for the Italian troops along the Don River remained stable until the Soviets launched Operation Saturn on December 11, 1942. The aim of this operation was the annihilation of the Italian, Hungarian, Romanian, and German positions along the Don River. The first stage of Operation Saturn was known as Operation Little Saturn, and the aim of this operation was the complete annihilation of the Italian Eighth Army. So, like I said, they were going to do Operation Saturn, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. The Italians are just way thin. Yeah, once they and, find out that they're not dug in and, and even and, really prepared. And, and they couldn't probably dig in yeah, because the ground was frozen. Well, and then <laughs> probably three foot of snow on top. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're talking Montana snow. Man. So, uh, go ahead, Russ. I'm sorry. The Soviet 63rd Army, backed by T-34 tanks and fighter bombers, first attacked the weakest Italian sector. Uh, The sector was held on the right by the Ravenna and Kosaria infantry divisions. And from the Soviet bridgehead at Maman, 15 divisions, supported by at least 100 tanks, attacked these two divisions. Although outnumbered 9 to 1, the Italians resisted until December 19th, when finally ordered the battered divisions to withdraw. So they started the, on the 11th, and those Italians with, with Man. two divisions against 10. Hung in there for uh, and, eight and, days. And, that, that's and, and getting all the hundreds of T-34s and yeah, everything. Bombed from there. Wow. You, you can say what you want against the Italians, but that kind of fighting and that kind of snow and being able to hold them, yeah. wow. And by Christmas, both divisions were actually driven back and defeated after some pretty bloody fighting. They were just getting tore up. So when they got down, they couldn't even resist. Then they pulled them out. And they pulled them out. The Soviet First Guards Army then attacked the Italian center, the Pasubio, the Torino, the Prince Amadeo, Duke of Oasta, and the Foresca divisions. After 11 days of bloody fighting against overwhelming Soviet forces, these divisions were surrounded and defeated and Russian air support resulted in the death of General Paolo Tarnasi, commander of the Italian Armored Force in Russia. The General Paolo, there's not a lot 
uh, information on him. On him. Uh, here's a guy with limited armor, and here comes hundreds of these T-34s. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, what have I got myself into here? You know, he's on the line coordinating this with basically zero air support, and their fighter bombers yeah. killed him. After a short pause, the 6th Soviet Army attacked the Alpine divisions of the Italian Mountain Corps. Uh, these units have been placed on the left flank of the Italian army and were, until then, still relatively unaffected by the battle. However, the Alpine position had turned critical after the collapse of the Italian center, uh, the collapse of the Italian right flank, and simultaneous collapse of the Hungarian troops to the left of the Alpine. The Julian Division and Kunis Division were destroyed. Members of the 1 Alpine Regiment, part of the Kunis Division, part of the Tridentia Tina Division and other withdrawing troops managed to escape the encirclement. Basically, they did this little Saturn and it worked. Yeah. They they knew they had them dead to rights. They didn't have any defensive positions. They were covered in snow. And now they've lost their armored commander and all these tanks that they had, all these vehicles are starting to die. Just incredible. Well, tell us about the, what happened. Yeah, when the surviving Italian troops were eventually evacuated to Italy, the fascist regime tried to hide them from the populace. So appalling was their appearance after surviving the Russian front. Here they are, basically walking on foot, you know, starving. Skin um, and bones, probably. Uh, I mean, uh, just... And frostbite. 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 Exactly. We were just talking about the symbol Vente being open top. You're having to shovel snow out of your tank just so you can fire the exactly. gun. Exactly. Exactly. That's incredible. What a waste war is. I know. I know. And, and these brave men fought the best they could with what they had, and, and the government was ashamed and tried to hide them. Now, we're not saying that we're sympathizing with the fascists. Yeah. Yeah. We're just saying the normal ground grunt yeah exactly you know people just like me and you they got stuck in this thought they you know were doing something great and and they got out there and they're all tore up they're starved they're frostbit and now their government says you you can't go home yeah you're 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 in too bad a shape incredible okay russ great episode uh let's just close Uh, uh tell them how to get a hold of us and some of our other media yeah, don't forget, you can always get a hold of us. Email at uh, two tankers and cat at gmail.com. All of the other ways you can get a hold of us are linked on our website at www.twotankersandcat.com. Repeating www.twotankersandcat.com. And don't forget about Patreon. Oh, yeah. I mean, please, please, please get out there and take a look at our Patreon site. We will be getting some new content on there here pretty quick. Yep. And I want to send them people bumper stickers. Yes, Like we mentioned earlier, we're going to start getting some of the the merchandise together and getting that up on the website and everything for sale. Well, you know, the guy that wrote the book on the TOG, Andrew Hill? Yeah. We still owe him one. We we need to send that up to him in Nebraska, I think it is. And like I said earlier, I mean, I'm starting to get a little more settled in with my new job and everything. I'll have some more time to spend on getting some of this stuff together and start growing more on our website well we definitely want to thank uh tank encyclopedia yes if you guys haven't checked this out you want to go to www.tanks slash no dash dash encyclopedia.com uh great guys uh we've been using a bunch of their information for our research um if you get a chance support them too please do uh these guys extremely great 
uh, bunch of knowledgeable guys. Uh, really, Craig Moore, just tons of yes, other guys that are yes. in that. Just amazing. Eventually, it'd be neat to sit down and maybe interview some of those folks. We keep and saying get them that. on the program. We need to do that. We will. I, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Okay. This is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking and have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>